Well, hi everybody. It's great to be with you this morning, bringing God's word to us. And um, this week we are continuing our covenant series. And today we're looking and thinking about the covenant that God made with David. As Richard said last week, the Bible is not a legal story. It's a regal story. It's a story of a king and his love for his people. The Bible is not a story of rules, but of love. A story about love that is always coming after us. A story about a relationship. The relationship of a father to his children, a king to his subjects. And if you look close enough at each passage or story in the Bible, you will be able to see this thread of love through the ups and the downs of life through the rulers, through the nations, through ordinary people. The book of Second Samuel is where we find our passage this morning, and in a minute we will hear it. And this tells the story of David as Israel's king. From the moment that God rejects Saul as Israel's king and anoints David in First Samuel chapter 16, just in case you want to have a read. This story is just one dramatic episode after another, a bit like white water rafting. And trust that I get all the dramatic Bible passages because I'm quite a dramatic person. And sometimes when I read the story of David, I think, boy, your life was more dramatic than mine. And it makes me feel good. (laughs) We find David here in 2 Samuel chapter 7, where he has he has defeated all of his enemies. He has become the king over the unified tribes of Israel. He has conquered a Jerusalem and established it as Israel's capital city. And he has also renamed it Zion. So if you're if you're ever reading the Bible and you're wondering when they say Zion, where are they talking about? Well, here's your answer. They're talking about uh, Jerusalem. So David, now as the king in Jerusalem, he wants to make this place not only the political capital of the nation of Israel, he wants to make it the religious capital as well. So he brings in the Ark of, of the Covenant. And what we will find throughout this morning is that the central theme of this passage is the Ark of the Covenant. God's dwelling place, where God lives and resides. For the first time in a long time, all is peaceful and quiet. For David. Still waters, smooth sailing. But as the saying goes, still waters can run deep. And that is what we find in our passage uh, today. So let's hear our Bible passage from Danny and James Norman. This morning's reading is taken from 2 Samuel 7, verses 1 to 26. After King David was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, 
He said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a house of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. But that night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth, and I will provide a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people shall not oppress them any more, as they did at the beginning, and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if it were not enough in your sight, Sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. And this decree, Sovereign Lord, is for a mere human. What more can David say to you? For you know your servant, Sovereign Lord. For the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made it known to your servant. How great are you, Sovereign Lord! There is no one like you, and there is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. And who is like your people, who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth that God went out to redeem as a people for himself, and to make a name for himself? 
and to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations and their gods from before your people, whom you redeemed from Egypt. You have established your people Israel as your very own forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. And now, Lord God, keep forever the promise you have made concerning your servant and his house. Do as you have promised, so that your name will be great forever. Then people will say, The Lord Almighty is God over Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established in your sight. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, James, to Danny, for reading our passage for us uh, uh, today. So, Walter Brueggemann, a famous theologian, he wasn't wrong when he said that 2 Samuel 7 was one of the most important passages in the Bible when it comes to evangelical theology. And this passage does have many facets and could lead us down a number of paths. But this morning, in the context of our covenant, I want us to focus on the interaction between God and David, specifically what God spoke to David and David's response to God. So at the beginning of the passage, David notices that he is living in a beautiful house made of cedar and the Ark of the Covenant was living in a tabernacle or a tent. David may have felt uncomfortable with this imbalance of grandeur. He was in a beautiful home and God's presence was in a tent. And I think that David wanted to honour God by building him a permanent home, building him a beautiful house. David wanted to give back to God. He wanted to respond to God's goodness by doing something amazing for him. And I wonder if you can relate to that. Because isn't that how it's meant to be with us and our faith and our relationship with God? That we respond to God's goodness towards us. In 1 John 4 verse 19, we love because he first loved us. We don't serve and worship God to obtain favour from him. We don't serve and worship God to get a pat on the back. We serve and we worship God because we have received salvation from him, love from him, peace from him. Isn't that the story of the entire Bible? That actually people respond to God. God always makes the first move. But God, through the prophet Nathan, says to David, David, you, this is not the time and you are not the person. So David, David offers to build God, has this great idea. I'm going to build God a palace just like mine, a beautiful place where he can dwell. And God comes back and God says, no, now is not the time. And you are not the one. 
God's sensitivity of it, I have always been with my people. Where they have gone, I have gone. I have never asked from a house for a house. I have never asked for a permanent home. God has been in the midst of his people where he wants to be. God has always been, like I said at the beginning, God has always desired to be with his people. Hence the covenants that he makes with his people. God's desire is to be with his people. And this is where he has been. In Exodus, in the wilderness, God was in the midst of his of his people. When they moved, he moves. God tells David no. Because God has something better in mind. God doesn't tell David no because David's not great at building houses or because, you know, God just wants to give David a rest for, you know, a little while after defeating all of his all of his enemies. No, God tells David no, because God has something better in mind. And that's where we arrive at the place where God makes a covenant with David. And this covenant that God makes with David builds upon the prior covenants that God has made throughout the Old Testament. In this covenant with David, which we will go on to look at, he not only reaffirms the covenant that he made, he gives further revelation about how he is going to fulfil the promises that he has already made. So the reaffirmation of the covenant. God tells David, I will make your name a great one. I will give a place for the nation Israel so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. And this is a clear reaffirmation of God's promise to Abraham to give his descendants a land and home and to make his name a great one. And the further revelation, the add-on, the expansion of the covenant has both a near-term and a far-term fulfilment. So the near-term fulfilment, which comes through David's own offspring, as we can see in verse 13, Solomon, he will be a man of peace and he will be the one who builds God a permanent home, a temple. Solomon will be the one to build the temple. David will not. And then in verse 14, we see that God says, when Solomon sins, I will discipline him. But I will not take his kingdom from him. God is promising that like David, David's own descendants will have a special relationship with God. They will be God's, they will be God's appointed king and ruler over the nation of Israel. But the far-term fulfillment of this covenant comes in verse 16. God tells David that his house and kingdom will endure forever. And David's throne will be established forever. 
And what is really key to note is that word forever. This is this is the key word in this passage. We may I, w- I will talk about house being a key word, but the word forever is a really important thing. So there are three things that I want to pull out this morning about the far term fulfillment of God's covenant. The first thing, the first word is house. So David wants to build God a physical home, a home made of, I don't know, wood, cedar, a place for the Ark of the Covenant to sit in. But David, but God promises, David, I don't want you to build me a house. What I'm going to do is I'm going to build you a house. But I'm not going to build you a house made of bricks or wood. I'm going to build you a house made of people. I'm going to build you a dynasty, a lineage. I'm going to make you a promise that I did not make to the to, to the other king, Saul. I'm going to make you a promise that is different and specific for you. What's really interesting to, to note and what I find out is that actually Saul's lineage dies out. So Saul, who God had rejected as king, Saul who was selfish and violent, and God he re- he rejected him as king and put David in his in his place. Saul's Saul's lineage dies out. David's lineage will never die out. God goes on to promise David a kingdom that will endure forever. And this kingdom, it refers to a people who are governed by a king. An eternal kingdom, an eternal group of people who are governed by a king. And that king is God. And what what God is saying to David is, from you will come a kingdom. This is the passage of 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 scripture that has that prompted the prophets to wait for a messiah understanding the scope of this promise how in such a small passage of 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 scripture comes so much is challenging you see it's only in jesus where the promise of the covenant that God made with David is fulfilled. After David comes human kings. And these human kings, they mess up and they fail and they make mistakes. And they reject God. And the nation of Israel goes into exile. And lots of terrible things happen. But there remains a hope for a future king who will come and fulfill the kingship ideal. And Jesus was the son of David. Through the prophet Jeremiah, God prophesied of this time. Behold, the days are coming that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved 
and Israel will dwell in safety. Now this is his name by which he will be called the Lord our righteous. The Lord our righteous. And this Lord will come from the David. And further to that, before Mary's uh, conception of Jesus, when the angel came to her and told her that she was going to bear the Son of God, the angel actually says to her, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Son of David, his father David. The covenant that God promised to David is fulfilled in the person of Jesus. He is the physical descendant of David. He is enthroned on high and he is the one who has come not only to save the nation of Israel, but to save all of us, to establish a new kingdom, to establish a new throne. And God's kingdom and God's throne will never fade. And we are all invited to be part of the kingdom. Think about how much in the New Testament God talks about the kingdom of God. This is the eternal kingdom that God promised to David in this passage in 2 Samuel chapter 7. David offers to build God a house and God says, no, I'm going to make you a house. I'm going to give you a kingdom that will never, ever fade away. Your name will be a great name. Jesus, the saviour of the world, will be known as your son. That's amazing. That's like that is that is amazing. That is an amazing thing for David to be told when all David was doing was offering to build a permanent home for the ark. I mean, I'm completely speechless. The thing is that that that, that, that the story doesn't end there. You know, the story doesn't end with this covenant with David and then God disappears and everybody sits around and waits for hundreds of years. The fact of the matter is that we're only in the middle of this biblical covenant story. There is more to come and there will be more to come next week and the week after. But when you follow Jesus, there is always more to come. God always has something better in mind. And I want to take a moment to think about what this passage in its entirety speaks to us in our context of today. The first thing that I would note is that dwelling with God, being with God, is not a matter of us doing anything for him. It's a matter of us allowing him to come and make his home in us. 
allowing God to come and make his home in us. If we think about it, that God is in the midst of his people, that is where he wants to be. So God is in your home right now. God is wanting to be in the midst of you where you are right now. We are scattered and apart. The presence of God does not live in the building of St. Mary's Church. The presence of God through Jesus lives in us. And God wants to make his home in you. Because this covenant is not based on the performance of David or how righteous he is or how well he's kept all the commandments. This covenant was based on a promise, a promise of God's faithfulness to his people. And this is something that I've touched on already this morning, but it's something that I have noticed more and more. The more I read the Bible, the more I notice this. And the more that we're going through our covenants series, the more I notice this. This is always a matter of God moving towards his people. This is not a matter of us striving to reach him. He has done that for us. In the Old Testament, he did that for the people through covenants, through through the ark, through his presence. In the New Testament, he did that through Jesus. He sent his only, Jesus came to the earth to be with his people. And now he does it through the Holy Spirit. See, the God that we serve is not the distant one. He's not far away, but he wants to dwell with us to live with us, to be part of our everyday lives. And this this current context that we're in and the lockdown that we have, that we're in, and it has been, it feels long and it has been hard. But when when I am sitting on my own at night and I'm feeling sad and lonely and bored, I I remind myself That the God that I serve is not distant and far off. But he wants to dwell within me. He wants to live within me. He wants to be part of my everyday life. And the fact that the creator of the universe wants to be part of your everyday life is something that should bring you hope. This chapter that begins with David wanting to do God something amazing and ends with his response to what God has promised to do for him. The chapter begins, David, I'll make, build God a house. And then God makes his promises. And then David's like, whoa, I'm completely overwhelmed. That not only would a former shepherd boy be a king. I mean, come on now. I used to be a shepherd boy. I used to sit in the fields with the sheep. Now I'm living in this palace. I'm a king. I have people who listen to me, who serve me. I can have anything I want, any time I want. But I was just a shepherd boy. 
And now what I'm finding out is that from me is going to come a king whose kingdom will endure forever and be ruled by none other than the Son of God. I mean, is that not just a lot to take in? In the passage, God says to David, I I, I picked you. I picked you from that hill tending the sheep. I have brought you here. Don't you think that anything that you have ever done has, has got anything to do with you? I've brought you to this place. And David is awestruck. I mean, I would be awestruck. The more that I read this passage, the more I was like, this is mind blowing. But what does David do? He doesn't go, yeah, 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 Lord, that's fine. Let me give me give me my phone. I just want to check Instagram. He doesn't do that. David hears the message, and he goes into the tabernacle. He goes into the tent, and he sits before God. He goes in. He seeks out the presence of God. He is not. He's not angry that God said no to him. He is completely in awe of what God would choose to do to do for him, to do through him. David called when he was very young a man after God's own heart. He receives the promise of this covenant and he immediately seeks the presence of God. He immediately goes and seeks the presence of God. And his first words are this. Who am I, O Lord, that you have brought me this far? Who am I? Who am I? Who are you for that matter? And these are words that I echo often. Lord, who am I that you would love me? When I'm angry, when I'm upset. I'm like, Lord, you probably, who, how can you still love me? Who am I that you care for me? David is in awe of what he has heard. He knows that he was just a shepherd. He knows it. He can remember the days of struggle and strain on the run from Saul. You just need to read the Psalms to be able to see at points in David's life how low he really was. He can remember the days of war and devastation. And taking that time to sit with God and to see where he has brought David from. Who am I? And to listen to his voice brings peace and perspective and praise. And I wonder, friends, when was the last time that you stepped back from your everyday when was the last time that you looked at your life and noticed God's hand? And noticed when God has carried you? When was the last time that you noticed where God has brought you from? What God has brought you through? Noticed his faithfulness to you? Notice his faithfulness to your family. Notice that his heart is always moving towards you. And this morning we are invited to take part 
in remembering God's work in our lives through bread and through wine. For while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Who am I, O Lord God, that you have brought me this far? Who am I? We are no ones. We are nobodies. But God, in his love and his mercy and his grace and things that I cannot wrap my mind around, move towards us. And we and we have responded to his love. He has stepped towards us and we respond. When Jesus died on the cross, he was stepping towards us. He was coming after us. He was he saw us in our sin and he wanted to save us. Who am I, O Lord God, that you have brought me this far? And I want to finish this this morning, and I know I've talked for quite a while, um, by just reading part of David's prayer again from the message version of the Bible. And then we're going to have some quiet time. We're going to listen to a song and we're going to to reflect. And I would like to encourage you to think of where God has brought you from. I'd like to encourage you to in this time and this discomfort and this difficulty and the boredom that comes with all of this. I want you to think about how God is caring for you, how he's caring for your family, because it is only in the presence of God where we find our perspective. It is only in the presence of God where we find peace. It is only in the presence of God where our mind stops running a hundred miles an hour and we are able to finally rest. So let's rest a while. David prayed, Who am I, my God, and what is my family that you have brought me to this place in my life? But that's nothing compared to what is coming. For you've also spoken of my family far in the future and you've given me a glimpse into tomorrow. My God, what can I possibly say in the face of all this? You know me, my God. You know me just as I am. You've done all this not because of who I am, but because of who you are, out of your very heart. Lord, you know us. You know each of us just as we are. And you have come and you have died on the cross, not because of who we are, because of who you are. And your movement towards us comes from your very heart. May we feel your presence. May we get perspective. And may we leave this service filled with hope.